FM, The Zone. Just moo it. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. No doubt some of us are going to be moving a little snowy slush today. It kind of depends on where you are. Come on in, everybody. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee on the radio. So glad you're along with us. Yeah, it's uh, going to be an interesting commute for a lot of folks in the state of Wisconsin. Madison area, the plows have been out. It's a slushy mix right now and continuing. Our forecast for today calls for cloudy skies. The snow and precipitation should end a little bit later this morning, but daytime highs today, not much better than 34 degrees. Tomorrow, morning clouds, afternoon sun, and 28 Saturday, partly cloudy and 31. Sunshine on Sunday and 40 degrees. Then Monday, we're back up to 43. Tuesday, 48. Next Wednesday, 51 degrees. So this precipitation is not going to be sticking around in its current form. That's for sure. We'll get weather details. Stu Muck in about 15 minutes. Mike North with Everag is going to be joining us live this morning. Bad day yesterday for dairy markets, actually for all commodities. What's going on there, he'll explain. Farm and industry short course. I bet a lot of you folks listening know short course. You either experienced it yourself, you had kids go through the program. What's happening now that it's pivoted and moved up to UW-River Falls? Charity Seebecker's got an update. Next week is National FFA Week, and our Wisconsin Blue and Gold have some priorities that they want to share. Give you the details on that. And doing a deeper dive on the 2022 USDA Census of Agriculture. What did we find out about Wisconsin agriculture in all those data points? We've got an update. Attention farmers and contractors. It's that time of year again. Time to spring clean your sheds and sell your equipment with Steffes Group at the upcoming Wisconsin Area Equipment Auction closing March 27th. Showcase your equipment to the right buyers and maximize your sale potential. Go to steffesgroup.com right now for more information on this and other upcoming auctions in your area and nationwide. That's S-T-E-F-F-E-S group.com. There's something special and brand new happening at Bavaria Sausage. Fabulous Farm Babe Pam Yankee telling you to go to the store for this in-store experience. Corner of Nesbitt Road and Fitchrona Road in Fitchburg. Open Monday through Friday, 9 until 5. This is a brand new, locally sourced, procured and developed brat that Bavaria Sausage has exclusively. And let me tell you, it's fantastic. It is a special Berkshire brat. When I say Berkshire, I'm talking about the breed of hog that they used for this brat. And it is fantastic. Right now, you can go in, try it yourself, taste test it, share it with your friends, your family. But remember, limited supplies of this special Berkshire brat. So head in today, corner of Nesbitt Road, Fitchrona Road in Fitchburg. Open Monday through Friday, 9 until 5. Not available online. Enjoy the old world flavor of this special Berkshire brat at Bavaria Sausage. About 1,800 organic farmers and people interested in organics are getting together starting February 22nd in La Crosse for the annual Organic Farming Conference. The event is celebrating its 35th anniversary. I'm Stephanie Hoff from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. Marble Seed, formerly known as Moses, is hosting the conference. Executive Director Lori Stern says the fact that Wisconsin does host the largest organic gathering in the nation is a testament to the state's vibrant industry. Yeah, I think that a lot of people don't realize that we are actually second in the country for organic farms, Um, second to California, which is a lot bigger than we are. So I think it really does speak to 
the leadership that we take uh, in the Midwest here and in Wisconsin specifically, particularly in the Driftless region, in leading in organic, which is really exciting. And it's something that I always have to remind myself when I go to other places around the country and I can't help but, you know, go to, oh, there's a farmer's market here or there. And I'm always surprised at how few organic vendors there are. And then, oh, yeah, that's right. It's because I get to live where organic is so prevalent, which is really great. What are the key themes that this year's organic conference is going to pick up? Well, I think we really wanted to lean into kind of the the then and now because it's 35 years and how a lot of the issues then when the organic label that we all have become so familiar with first became a national standard, that little green and white USDA organic. Back then, in 30, in 30, 35 years ago, farmers were really wondering, well, how do I certify? What are the standards? And those, those interests are still with us today. And we are now kind of facing huge consumer demand for organic. And what does that mean for us as kind of small to medium-sized farms, which continue to be who's in the marble seed community? Are the smaller farmers, the more local farmers? What does that mean in the face of kind of this rising consumer demand and our own success? So this kind of idea that we're, you know, still very deeply connected to those beginning organic farmers and then looking forward to where is our food and going to come from in the future and what is our farming system going to look like in the future. So we have the, the theme this year is Roots to Rhizome. So just kind of that thinking about how deeply connected and important soil is to organic agriculture and building healthy soils and building those connections and the microbiome of the soil and the connection between farmers and eaters and researchers and all of that. And that happens in the convening in La Crosse. Remind us of the dates of the meeting, the location, and uh, where people can register. So we are convening February 22nd through the 24th in La Crosse, Wisconsin at the La Crosse Convention Center. You can uh, register at our website, marbleseed.org, and just click on events and it'll take you to registration. We're really excited this year, too. I mean, we started as an organization very much by farmers. And so this idea of farmer self-organizing is absolutely critical to our organization's history and, I think, our future. And so we're going to offer this year a lot of opportunities for farmers to really network and learn from each other because I think that's the value of the conference. I know that for a lot of folks, like once I keep hearing from farmers, you know, when we were farm dreaming, we needed to get to all those workshops that were more formal. But once we started farming, we just wanted to kind of meet with our friends, have really vibrant hallway conversations and do that networking and learn from each other. And so we're providing lots of space in the conference this year for that to happen from our exhibit hall to more um, structured, facilitated opportunities for farmers to share information with each other. So we're really excited about that, too. Lori, what else happens at this conference aside from the learning uh, aspect? Is there any um, business that gets done, any policy coordination that happens? Absolutely, because we our conference is kind of unique in that it's all production methods. And so we have a lot of cross-cutting content that would be uh, useful to any any production method, from a dairy farmer to a broadacre farmer to somebody who's doing specialty crops or fruit growing. So we try to have something for everyone there in terms of production, but then also what are those issues around farm viability, farmer wellness, some of the policy things that you mentioned, all of those are also at the conference. Um, In the exhibit hall, we have lots of folks that can, you know, from folks that can give information on office hours around financial issues, 
organic certification. I mean, farmers can find lots of resources. USDA is typically there. Our State Department of Agriculture is there. So farmers can get that kind of one-on-one information as well through our exhibit hall and our office hours. So there's that available. And then this year is kind of interesting. You know, we went into planning the conference. We were in the midst of a farm bill year, assuming we'd have a farm bill in the fall. So we just, it was really tricky to try and figure out how much policy we were going to need to have. But of course, now that farm bill process has become more of a marathon than a sprint. And we're still very much in the thick of having those conversations about what is in the next farm bill. So folks will be there from National Organic Coalition, the Organic Farmers Association, um, folks that kind of advocate with and for farmers. And we do some of that work as well. So that's definitely going to be part of the conference. What's your favorite part about the Organic Farming Conference, Lori? What what do you hope to get out of it this year? First of all, I think just the energy in the building, it's like the building vibrates. And I think we're seeing a lot of what is going to be the next generation of organic farmers. And that is super exciting. You know, everywhere you hear about how farmers across production um, methods are aging. So we we tend to try to figure out, like, how do we get the next generation of farmers on the land? And they're at the conference. We've got those older farmers that are thinking about land transition, thinking about how their land will be stewarded in the future organically. And then we've got these young farmers full of energy and ready to kind of take this on, super excited about our food system, excited about thinking about how to make our food system more just and fair for farm workers and landowners and eaters and across the span. So I feel like part of it is just being in that building and feeling that energy because it does. It just feels like it's vibrating sometimes. And then there's always great content and things that you can learn and then have the opportunity to have conversations with those folks that are presenting information. And again, Marvel Seed is celebrating 35 years of getting together for the Organic Farming Conference. Lori, walk us through some of the highlights of this anniversary year and maybe what's coming down the pipeline that Marble Seed is especially looking forward to as they hopefully continue for another 35 years. We have a program that's part of the National Organic Program's Transition to Organic Partnership. And we are one of the workshops on Thursday. It's free to farmers that are interested in transitioning to organic for folks that are Considering organic, this is an amazing time right now in the history of organic to make that transition. There's a lot of support from our organization, from other organizations across the country, and enabling farmers to kind of fund that transition because we know it's hard. There's funding for mentorship, technical assistance, and all that that we're part of. And then there's also funding for farmers that are making the transition to support them in doing that. And so it's really exciting. And we do have a workshop on Thursday that's specifically, it's Help Wanted Organic Farmers, and it's specifically for farmers interested in transition. Can you speak more to the the interest from like USDA and the state level to fund some of this transition? Why are we seeing this push? Part of the reason that we're seeing this push is because there's huge demand for organic um, from consumers. And right now we have to rely on a lot of import. So if we just think about national, the National Organic Program actually sits in the Ag Marketing Service which in, within USDA. So, you know, they're recognizing, we think about like integrity in organics and some of the fraud and the grain coming in, there's interest in being able to produce more domestically. So I'm just going to say that, that there's 
definitely a market and there's a rising market for organic in not just grains, but in all things. And we are really importing a lot of it. So it would be great to get more domestic production. I know that there's a lot of concern in, um, and I see articles all the time about herbicide resistance. A lot of the chemicals that farmers are utilizing that are non-organic are no longer working. And so needing to work with the environment is becoming increasingly important, particularly as climate is changing to be able to adapt. And organic farmers are just incredibly good at that. And then for all of those reasons, then we also have investment on the other side, which everybody knows it's like you need to, it's a three-year plan. It's a different way of farming. There's a lot to learn. There's conservation funding available for farmers who are making that transition. So there's new organic management standard through conservation that farmers can access for that time and transition. And that's the other way that they're supporting organic farmers. So not only with education and mentorship on one side, but then also those that are transitioning are going to be able to access conservation programs that will support them in making that three-year transition. Lori Stern speaking to some of the new elements in this year's Organic Farming Conference. Lori is the executive director of Marble Seed, which is hosting the event in La Crosse. It's happening February 22nd through the 24th. They're celebrating their 35th year. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Stephanie Hoff. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Trusting someone else enough to pack up your stuff for the big move usually doesn't happen. Our employees are like family and have been with us for a very long time. You can feel comfortable with them packing things up and moving them. This is Brenda from Mad City Moving. We call that the the all-in-the-family move. Mad City Moving dominates any move. Their crew will handle your things well like your things deserve to be handled. Online at madcitymoving.com. Mad City Moving. You haven't seen moves like Leadership Institute is a year-long premier crash course in personal development, agricultural advocacy, and Wisconsin Farm Bureau that builds up strong Farm Bureau members. I'm proud to be a Wisconsin Farm Bureau member because they invested time and resources in me and my development, and I cannot wait to give a return on that investment. WFBF.com A voice for farmers, a vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. A good friend might tell you that your shoe's untied or, hey, you've got a bit of breakfast on the corner of your mouth. Well, a good friend will also share valuable insights about the scoop on money and energy savings. Like Benjamin Plumbing and their game-changing electric hybrid water heaters. Potential savings of up to three to four times a conventional water heater with current tax incentives up to $2,000. Benjamin Plumbing's electric hybrid water heaters go beyond being just a water heater. It acts as a dehumidifier for your basement, kicking musty odors, mold, and excess moisture to the curb. Eco-friendly and efficient, these electric hybrid water heaters will leave your wallet and our environment completely satisfied. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses, I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. From her mouth to the field's ears, 
This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Kind of a sloppy mess out there as we get started on uh, Thursday morning. Time to talk weather. Stumach Ag Meteorologist joining us this morning. And we're really going to have to lean on you uh, weather reporters out there with our talk text line. Remember that number is 877-301-FARM. 877-301-3276 because we're not getting real good weather reports yet from our weather folks uh, at the National Weather Service. Linda from Reeseville tells me that she's got about an inch and a half of snow on the ground with rain-snow mix coming down, Stu. Uh, that sounds like about what everybody's got. What else do you have to add to the mix? Yeah, that's about it. I've got a good healthy inch. Maybe some would call it two here south of Fond du Lac. I just got Iola, Iola in Wapaka County reporting 1.1 inches. Mm-hmm. Uh, Plymouth saying probably two inches, real wet, sloppy. The roads are a mess. Yep. And that's kind of what's coming in from everywhere. Well, Just not nice. Lacrosse, if you're out there, come on and tell us if you got anything. Stan from up by Green Bay said they had about an inch. And uh, it should dissipate pretty quick by about daybreak, huh? Yeah, it's not going to stick around long. I mean, the winter weather advisory is still in effect at least until 6 a.m. in Iowa, Dane, and Sauk counties, till 8 a.m. Jefferson Dodge. Uh, that extends north up into Marquette, Green Lake, Washera, Wapaka, Shano, not on the southern edge of the state. I mean, Green Rock, Walworth, you're out of that winter weather advisory. But there's that mix of rain and snow kind of sloppy around today. Low pressures heading toward northeast Illinois. So it's all going to end. It will dry out somewhat. But expect a little more windiness the next day or so. Going to seem a little wintry. I'll have forecast details right after Picture this. this. You in a company vehicle traveling across the picturesque landscapes of southern Wisconsin and northern Illinois. Your mission? To provide top-notch service and installations of milking equipment. Tri-County Dairy Supply is on the lookout for dynamic service technicians to join their teams in Janesville and Watertown. If you've got experience in farming, electrical work, plumbing, welding, refrigeration, or maintenance, send your resumes to tricountydairy at tds.net or apply in person in Janesville. Must have a valid driver's driver's license. Don't miss this opportunity. We're exploring farming in the last frontier, Alaska. Come and join us. Hi, everyone. I'm Pam Yankee. The date's August 22nd through September 1st. We'll visit a variety of Alaska farms, including a private boat excursion to experience a shrimping operation. Of course, you'll get all the majestic scenery and impressive wildlife along the way. Visit HolidayVacations.com, keyword Pam, for more information and to watch a travel video or call 888 888- Five five seven ten twenty today. Alrighty, Stu, let's have that forecast. All right, that winter weather advisory in the east, ending in the south about 6 this morning, ending in the east by 8 this morning. So the precipitation is going to start to taper off and end, of course, still falling all the way from northeast into south-central Wisconsin. Basically some snow, a little rain in the far southeast, but that will end. Clouds may even clear a little in the west. Temps aren't all that exciting. Low 30s today, and northwest winds 10 to 20 will even gust near 30, a little stronger in far eastern Wisconsin. Overnight, those clouds redevelop, but we drop to the lower 20s. Northwest winds 5 to 10. Partly sunny Friday, a cool day. Man, this sounds like February. Upper 20s, maybe a 30. That's about the best we can hope for. The northwest wind at 5 to 15. Even Saturday, mostly sunny, breezy, only around 30 or very low 30s in the west. West winds 10 to 20. They'll gust near 30. Gets a little breezy for a day or so, Pam, with that cool air to wrap up the week. Yeah, but then all of a sudden we're back in the 40s front part of next week. Yeah, it turns up that quick. Yeah, well. I know. Enjoy the winter while it's here this weekend. (laughs) 
<laughs> Just be careful. All of a sudden, you got to remind yourself it's slippery, not only on the roads, but on the sidewalks, too. So take her easy out there. Yeah, it's a wet, sloppy stuff. Be careful. Stumacher, Ag Meteorologist, with your weather update. And don't forget, you're uh, definitely valuable to us, you folks that can use the talk text line. What do you got in your backyard? 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-3276. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Over four decades of turning customers into loyal friends, and the reason is simple. Here at Denny's Jewelers, we make jewelry shopping easy, relaxing, and because we have something for everyone. Hand-selected diamonds and gemstones. Custom design, appraisals, fashion jewelry, watches, repair, and even jewelry restoration. Stop by and allow us to turn you into our next true friend. Grandma, what's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family, and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you, too. Okay, how about tasting the stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. Landscapers count on Kalani Topsoil for our consistent quality shredded soil used on major projects. No sticks or rocks to rake out. In fact, it spreads out as smooth as butter and deliveries that are on time every time so the work crew isn't standing around. Now that saves you time and money in the long run. Landscapes and landscapers love Kalani Topsoil. Take it from a worm. Trust the guys who know good dirt. KalaniTopsoil.com Now that's good dirt. While you spent a lot more time around your home the last couple of years, you may have noticed a few things you'd like to have spruced up. Sign up for W.E. Davies Handyman Membership, and they'll help you stay ahead of the maintenance and repairs with a professional result. Boycott putting things off. W.E. Davies & Sons Remodeling brings a fresh perspective to your building project. We're a local family business with services from handyman fixes to living space upgrades. For stunning, transformative results, visit wedaviesremodeling.com. Farming is dangerous. There's dangers all around us. We work around it and we live around it every day. And we just become desensitized to what's around us. We go through safety training and, you know, we try and do these things to make sure accidents don't happen, but you just never know. There are so many farmers that I think take for granted all of the underground utilities that are there. You don't want to hit a gas pipe because that's your life. The other part of it is if you hit certain things, you're liable for it. I mean, we kind of know what's out here, but all at the same time, you, you just always call. Farm Safe 811 starts with you. Whether you're installing drain tile or doing any sort of digging, always call 811 and wait for any underground lines to be marked and have the depth confirmed. That's farming with care. But if a line does get damaged, go somewhere safe and call 
911. Always keep safety in the back of your mind. Just stay humble. For more information, go to farmsafe811.org. Have you ever had an MRI through the hospital where you're crunched inside a scary tube-like tunnel? MH Imaging in Middleton provides the spacious comfort of a completely open design MRI, the most updated concept in MRIs. It's an open MRI, open for everyone, regardless of insurance or doctor affiliation, for a fraction of the cost of a medical system. And the results are available the same day, providing you with answers you need to know now. Visit mhimaging.com. Some spaces become a catch-all for everything you want to keep in storage. Make use of that wasted space now. What about the basement? Rec rooms, an office, extra bedrooms for growing teenagers are all popular uses for an upgraded basement. Actuate Improvement is a full-service design and remodeling company specializing in kitchens, baths, and basements. Let's get the conversation started with a complimentary estimate, consultation, and suggestions. ActuateLLC.com Design. Create. Actuate. At Berkshire Automotive, we have a non-commissioned sales team, which is a polite way to say we don't really care whether you buy a practical Equinox, the rugged Silverado, or the speedy new Corvette. You've been told no before? Join the Bergstrom Automotive family for the yes. At Bergstrom Automotive, we teach our people to take no out of the vocabulary. Is no in your vocabulary? Uh, no. No isn't a thing at Bergstrom Automotive. Join the Bergstrom Automotive family for the yes. It is the offseason for all 32 teams. Got the Super Bowl out of the way last week, last weekend. Um, when you look at what Green Bay is facing this offseason, what is the most pressing matter in your mind that Brian Gutekunst is dealing with at this exact moment? Yeah, they got to get the, the secondary figured out. Um, it's amazing how things change, right? You're, you're, you'd be sitting here a year ago at this time figuring out, well, they got Jair Alexander, Rasul Douglas, and... You know, Eric Stokes is really good as a rookie. Boy, those three corners. <laughs> well, they're, they're really set, right? You need a good you need good corners to win in the NFL. And now here we are where Rasul Douglas has been traded. Eric Stokes' career, I mean, who the heck knows where that's going? Can they get Jair Alexander back on track? And that's a lot of questions there in a, in a passing league, so they got to get that figured out. And obviously, with the defensive coordinator change to Jeff Halfley, safety seems to be a much more important position. The Packers have, like, nobody right now. I mean, the only guys under contract are Anthony Johnson and Benny Sapp. So they got to get cornerback and safety figured out. Um, draft for agency, both um, really pressing need. When you look at the, the secondary, the, there's two guys that they have to make decisions on, well, especially one of them with Keyshawn Nixon and his contract, uh, the void coming up here. I think it's the 19th, right? So they're going to they're gonna have to make a decision whether they want to re-sign him or not. He was a, He's a very good returner maybe would like an upgrade in terms of a slot corner, but then there's also Darnell Savage as well. Do you expect either of those guys to be back? Yeah, it's the, it's the finances of it all. Um, I would think Keisha Nixon leave back just because kickoff return has just become an, almost an afterthought play, thanks or, or no thanks to the NFL. So I, I would think Nixon probably has more value here with Versace than maybe anywhere else. And look, you're, you're right. They, they, can they do better at, at slot? Yeah. Um, did they lose games because of Yeah, not really, right? No. Yeah, no. So I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if it's like this big five-alarm need that you got to get slack figured out. Yeah, like, you're right, though. I mean, they could do better. Um, safety was Savage. I mean, that's such a good question, right? He was all rookie in 2019. He had four interceptions, like, full breakups in 2020. So his first two years are great. His career has gone downhill. He can't tackle. But, you know, maybe Jeff Hathaway looks at his skill set and thinks, you know what? 
I can make it work. I, I, there's enough here to work with. So they give him a one-year contract with a bunch of incentives in case his career really takes off here, and, and you give him another shot. Look, they, they can't go totally new. At some point, they have to have someone here, I would think. Right. Um, so as much as you think, no, they can't possibly bring Savage back after a couple of really bad years or a couple of down years, maybe. Um, but, yeah, I, I would of the two, I would think Nixon's probably the more likely. Yeah. When I, when I think about what they could do with those two, financially, they could – you know, give themselves a little bit more room, even if, I mean, if they do bring them back, it's, it's kind of one of those weird ones, right? Uh, where if they push off the void years type of stuff, but with, with, with safety based on Brian Gutekinds's history, what is more likely trying to build that spot from the draft or maybe going into free agency and, and finding somebody that can be an impact player. And again, you know, they don't have a ton of cap room. They could certainly make some with some of the moves that they have an opportunity or are going to make, which way do you think he ends up going here? Yeah, probably the draft. Um, I know he told us, you know, I think it was on February 1st when he talked that he'd be willing to be aggressive and, and push money out. But I mean, they've, they've, they've gone through the pushing of money. I, I think probably he would just like to get back to paying as you go rather yeah. than, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul, so to speak. So if there's a, I mean, I, I do think he will sign a free agent. You know, is it a Jonathan Owens, Rudy Ford, those kind of guys? Probably more likely than a, a Geno Stone, certainly more than Antoine Winfield. Um, so I, w- I would think there'll be a budget signing or two there where I've got guys who can play. Like, you know, Jonathan Owens is a decent enough player, and so is Rudy Ford. Um, again, you can do better than those guys, but they, they weren't terrible. So you get some depth there, and I would think they would take a big swing or two at, in the draft. Like, you know, like they did a tight end, they, they double dipped second and third rounders receiver, second and fifth, you know, something along those lines where you, you grab maybe budget for agents or two and a couple of couple of draft picks. Yeah. Th- th- I think there's been, a, there's obviously a lot of focus on corners, a lot of focus on safety on the other side of the ball. <laughs> Rasheed Walker was very good this year, right? Like very yeah. good for, for his spot. Do, do they have obviously John running is going to be a, a free agent. They have the ability here to, to maybe boost the offensive line again. Do you think Rasheed Walker's a long-term answer there? I, and, and also, is it just a foregone conclusion that David Bakhtiari will not be playing in Green Bay? Yeah, I would say so on, on, on Bakhtiari. Tilling every inch of land in the state, except Lambeau Field, there's consecrated ground. Pam Yonke and the Farm Report. Honestly, it is hard to believe that I've had conversations with farmers and landowners across the state that have been doing some tillage work in the winter. When have we been able to say that in Wisconsin? But this year, without much uh, of a frost or any freeze at all, the ground is still pretty pliable. Hopefully that's going to be good news with the moisture that's sitting on top of it this morning. I'm Pam Yankee. Come on in, everybody. So glad you're along with us. Yeah, so depending on where you are this morning, uh, anywhere from just a trace amount of moisture in the form of either rain or snow, or some folks maybe getting north of four inches of accumulation. But it's all going to be gone probably by the end of the weekend. Today's daytime highs around 34, tomorrow 28, Saturday 31, Sunday 40 degrees, then Monday again well above average, Monday's highs 43, Tuesday 48 degrees, next week Wednesday 51. So today is the 15th day of February, what can I tell you? On this day back in 1965, Canada adopted its current national flag. That's the maple leaf. The leaf is designed to symbolize the country's forests. The middle white stripe is the Arctic snow, and the red stripes, 
the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans. Now you know a little bit more about the Maple Leaf of Canada, their national flag adopted on this day back in 1965. On this day in 1950, Walt Disney's animated film Cinderella premiered in Boston, another staple for the Disney folks. And I almost hate to bring this one up. On this day back in 1964, actor-comedian Chris Farley was born. He, of course, joined uh, Second City Theater and then ultimately ended up on Saturday Night Live. He was born on this day back in 1964. Of course, Chris Farley, a Madison native. And now you know. Well, we are continuing to keep an eye on developments with the Farm and Industry Short Course here in the state of Wisconsin. That program goes back decades and has impacted an awful lot of families across the state of Wisconsin. Maybe you were a, a member of the Farm and Industry Short Course. Short Course for short, as far as title. Maybe your family members have gone. Maybe you've got a child that's involved with Fisk right now. It's struggled to find enrollment over the past couple of years. But thanks to efforts like Representative Tony Kurtz, Farm and Industry Short Course is now at home at UW-River Falls. Charity Seebecker has an update from him. That's right, Pam. He has worked with Wisconsin Farm Bureau members to help get it back up and running. He explains just why the FISC program is so important to him and others throughout the state. I, I think it's some, something that's much needed. The ag community saying we want it, we need it, and I think... Um, you know, it's something as a state we need to do for our ag community. What role do you see the reestablished program playing in really preparing that next generation of farmers and our industry professionals to keep meeting our changing and evolving places in agriculture? I think when you go back and you look at the number of very successful farmers that started their career in that short course, I think not to have a resident short course would be detrimental to the ag industry, to be very honest, because so many people got their start at that course. Plus, it gives you the tools in an ever-changing environment. And that's why I think, like I said, I have nothing against online learning. Some people don't do well in that environment. You know, you're, you're sitting with others, you're sitting with your peers, you're sitting with people like-minded. I think the value of a resident short course is something that we would shortchange future generations if we did not offer that and, you know, let, let's be very honest. You know, you have a lot of declining enrollment. You know, unfortunately, obviously, we know we've talked about some two-year campuses closing because of, of enrollment. You know, we, in my humble opinion, need to fund this for our agricultural community. And, and I think having a resident program is so important to, to continue that legacy. How does this legislative initiative really address any potential financial or resource challenges that are associated with reestablishing the farm industry short course program? Well, it's just, you know, let's be honest, there, there is a cost, you know, uh, you know, and once again, I, I, I know some of my colleagues may say, you know, the UW can, can absorb that, but, you know, it is an added cost for River Falls. So I think as a state, I think we do have an obligation to say, okay, we're going to help you get that course. We're going to help you get it up and running. We're going to help you, uh, you know, provide those students what they need in that agricultural space. And I think as a state, obviously in our ag community, the second biggest industry in the state, I, I think uh, it, in the big scheme of things, it's a very small investment that we can make. Have you had any success stories or feedback that you've received that you can share from people who have went through the FISC program and why this is so important to them? 
so I've had quite a few farmers. And, you know, it's interesting. I had uh, Horkin, a young lady by the name of uh, Mrs. Horkin. Her son wanted to go to the Madison Short Course. And then when she found out it was, you know, it was she called me and she was devastated. So my son was going there. And then I said, you know, just give us time. I said, there's other opportunities. And so I, I think people, especially those that have attended that course or had family members attend that course, they know the value of that you know, in resident short course and what that can provide for the students moving forward for Wisconsin agriculture. Why should students enroll in the program? Really, why is it so important for our future of the industry? One, you're going to learn from from the best, but also the camaraderie. I mean, unfortunately, the ag community is getting smaller, you know, and I think that's where that short course helps young farmers to build those relationships with somebody from the eastern side of the state or the southern part or you know somebody that grows pigs or somebody that grows chickens or an organic farmer it it helps with that collaboration to realize you know i have one segment of agriculture in wisconsin but it's so much bigger i'm part of that and i'm proud to be part of that and i think that's where that brings that camaraderie in that short course that was representative tony kurtz he added that if this program is important to you you should reach out to your elected representatives and let them know the impact that it had on you and encourage them to be committed to supporting it and the future of the agriculture industry. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Charity Seebecker. Thanks, Charity. And remember, your voice really counts now when it comes to conversations with your state representatives and senators. They're trying to wrap up business before the session ends. So something like the Farm and Industry Short Course, something you might want to chime in on. Uh, the Blue and Gold will be down at the state capitol on Monday. Next week is National FFA Week, and on Monday, it's going to be FFA Day at the Hill. More than 200 Wisconsin FFA members, along with their advisors, are going to be coming from across the state to visit the state capitol. They'll be chatting with uh, State Superintendent Dr. Jill Underly, as well as Department of Workforce Development Secretary Amy Pacek. Uh, they'll see Randy Romanski, our Ag Secretary, and also FFA Foundation Board President Deb Eim. All of that happening Monday down at the state capitol as we kick off celebrating the National FFA Week. Mike North from uh, EverAg coming up in just a moment. Let's take a look at what's going on in the markets. I don't like any of it. I didn't like it yesterday, and it's not improved overnight. In Chicago, we saw barrel cheese yesterday drop 2.5 cents to 157.5. 40-pound black cheese was down 7 at 151.5. Double-A butter, that gained a half a cent to 271 and three quarters per pound. Now, on a Thursday morning right now, I see December corn down a penny at 463. November soybeans are down three and a half in Chicago at 11.51. July wheat's down a penny at 5.83. The March class three milk is down nine at 16.93. The April milk is down nine at 17.21 a hundredweight. You know, it's just those kinds of numbers that have a lot of folks in Wisconsin concerned about not just the future of the dairy industry, but the future of Wisconsin agriculture in general. We're looking at a pretty lean year in 2024. Uh, as far as profits, if we can find any at all. Jason Mungnaini is the Executive Director of Government Relations with the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation. He did a deep dive on the 2022 USDA Census of Agriculture that was released this week and drilled in, really, on some fine points about Wisconsin agriculture. And he says it's kind of a mixed bag. Some good trends some not-so-good trends. In terms of, of Wisconsin numbers, we saw some, some bright signs that uh, 
you know, a lot of new and beginning farmers are starting to outpace what we had. We saw some growth there. Uh, we saw an increase over our 2012 numbers and the number of uh, uh, female farmers and uh, decision makers on the farm. Uh, so we, we've seen some, some high points, but the same data is kind of re- reflected from the national level in Wisconsin. We lost 6,300 farms in, in the last five years. Uh, you know, we've lost almost a half a million acres of farmland. Now, we're still in a top 10 ag-producing state, but we slipped into the 10th spot. Jason Mungnaini, he's the executive director of government relations with the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation. Remember, all that information, all those data points created in that 2022 Census of Agriculture, going to be critical information points and foundation moving forward for things like the Farm Bill in development in Washington, D.C. How are our markets developing this morning? I'm almost afraid to ask, but we will. Up next, Mike North. Broker analyst with Everag. We're going to focus in on all things dairy when he joins us next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Shopping for that special someone can be hard. You want to make sure that gift is perfect. Jewelry is always a great go-to because it lasts forever. Place to go? Goodman's Jewelers. They have the best prices, something for every budget. They have incredible quality jewelry, one-of-a-kind pieces, diamonds, engagement rings, traditional and modern styles, and you can customize your own. Something for a Badger Packer fan? Goodman's Jewelers has it. A true icon in Madison, the city's oldest full-service jewelry store, is your family. Goodman's Jewelers. Have you heard about our Rejuvenation Clinic Body Suite? If not, now is the time to learn more. A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Non surgical aesthetic body treatments have progressed greatly in the last 10 years. We are proud to offer the best devices on the market that deliver incredible results. MSculpt Neo treats unwanted body fat and builds muscle mass. Cool Sculpting Elite reduces stubborn fat bulges and has multiple applicators to treat many areas of the body. Mcella is a revolutionary electromagnetic chair that strengthens pelvic floor muscles to treat mild to moderate urinary incontinence. Our providers love to analyze your concerns and come up with the best treatment plan for you, oftentimes even using a combination approach so you get the best results. Let your natural beauty shine through. To learn if our body sweet treatments can help you, call Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie. Legacy Exteriors, just pick up the phone and let us leave a legacy on your home. Roofing windows, gutters, siding, and decks, can Legacy do it? You bet. Better prices, better warranties. Legacy always makes it easy. Go to Legacy-Exteriors.com. Legacy Exteriors, just pick up the phone and let us leave a legacy on your home. Rough hands, dirty boots, and farming roots. It's all we know. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, you've got some work to do today around the state of Wisconsin. You've got lumpy moisture to deal with, but it is moisture. Let's keep that on the positive side. Tough to keep a positive uh, conversation going these days when it comes to Wisconsin dairy, actually dairy pretty much anywhere. Mike North with Everag is joining us this morning from his Platteville location to talk a little bit about trends we've been noticing. Holy peapod, Mike. Another seven-cent drop yesterday as far as cheese prices are concerned. What what is going on or maybe not going on out there? Well, 
we continue this undulation in price that we started since basically Christmas. Markets go up for a few days, down for a few days, up for a few days, down for a few days. We're in the down cycle right now and have been since about the 1st of February, uh, about 15 cents off of its peak at the start of the month. Um, but the thing to keep in mind is that as we move lower, we attract attention in the world market with buyers who are seeking deals. And the reality for us is, as, as the U.S., we are the lowest price point in the world on that particular product. That's not true of any other product. On any other product, we are kind of right in the hunt. And on cheese alone, we are a bargain. So every time we get here, we get to move some spot loads out of country. Um, and that is good for us. We need to get this time of the year, especially, we need to get inventory moving. And offshore is usually best because we're not big cheese consumers uh, on the whole this time of the year uh, in the United States. So, you know, it hurts in the short term, but there's actually some longer term positivity to this if we can keep moving some of this product. Well, I'm curious about inventory then, because that would seem to be an upside. Again, Mike North from Everegg along with us. Always want to remind you, if you want to follow up with these folks, go to their website, ever.ag. So again, like I said, my follow-up there, Mike, is uh, you know the, the world as a whole does not seem to have much uh, strength, be it uh, currency, be it uh, jobs, be it economics, to go very deep on those buys. Well, and that's part of what's driving this, right? If you go back over the last year specifically, you know, our trading partner in Korea wasn't that strong. Our trading partner in Japan wasn't that strong. Southeast Asia really as a whole was a very weak part of our export picture. Thankfully, we had a really strong trading partner in Mexico to make up some of the difference, but not all, uh, which is why the exports right now are so key because we need to fill some voids that we struggled to essentially uh, uh, send product into over the course of uh, the 2023 calendar. So um, you're right, that has certainly been weighing on this market and China's absence has been very, very highly documented uh, on the dairy side, very, very low imports of powders, uh, very low imports of, of other products that we depend on. And so uh, that being said, the hole they've created is something that, you know, a lot of other countries collectively are going to have to try to make up for. And so anything we can move right now is great. And, you know, truth be told, we have a lot of expansion around the country on the product side as well. And about a third of that is cheese. So, you know, we're at a weak price point. We're needing to move cheese. And in, you know, this same breath, we're already preparing greater production levels as we go forward. So it's a good news story for milk and having a home for it, but it needs a market to sell into as well. So all of that stuff has to come together. Mike North with Everag along with us. Tell me a little bit on what you're seeing then as far as cheese inventory. You make me nervous. Well, if you go back and look at uh, some of the cold storage numbers, you know, basically we have been able to kind of keep things on the level uh, over the course of the last uh, several months. We, we haven't had explosive growth on our uh, inventory numbers, but, but they're not getting any smaller. 
And, you know, as we came through the fourth quarter, you know, one of the things we kind of count on is that, you know, cheese inventories are going to drop and, um, we just didn't see much of that. It, 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 it kind of held the, held the line. And so, um, you know, as we look at it, um, you know, they're on the, on a growth curve. Um, now keep in mind, our country continues to demand more and more cheese that requires more and more time in storage. So some of this growth is aging programs at work and cheese just being carried longer to, you know, hit a different flavor profile. But, um, uh, Ultimately, where where we see it, you know, is in some of these American varieties, and and that ultimately sends a signal that you know we're not keeping up on the fresh side either. So um, that that's uh, that's a problem for us, and you know, as I've highlighted, um, not one that's gotten completely out of hand, but you know, reality is, if 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 we don't keep product moving, it could be especially as we come into the spring flush and there's more milk hitting the cheese vat and the whole nine yards. Yeah, yeah. Mike North again from Everegg down in Platteville. So I'm going to put a little spin on this, Mike, and I don't want to catch you off guard, but do we ever hear anything about new products, foods, beverages, something that can help us, you know, hit a sweet spot maybe? You know, absolutely. And I think probably the, the, the champion of that particular question in the last few years has been the Fairlife uh, milk label. And, you know, really, as you look at uh, what has gone on there, they've you know, created a shelf-stable product, high protein. Um, we are starting to see a movement towards uh, a couple of different um, drugs in the consumer market that help people uh, maintain or lose weight and, you know, other things. Uh, it has a whole, uh, uh, you know, series of different brand labels to that particular drug. But um, ultimately, what it causes is a greater interest in high protein foods. And I think, you know, as you observe the behavior of food companies, as you look at, you know, what's going on, there's a lot of people that are looking to elevate protein levels and to uh, even offer new products. And I think you're going to start seeing some of that come forward. Um, and what it may not be is, is, is a brand new idea. What it could be is an old idea with higher levels of protein or higher levels of, you know, other ingredients. Got to let you go, Mike. Want to keep that train going, but I got to let you go. All out of time. Mike North, along with us from Everag and Platteville, their website, ever.ag. This is the 